Hello, I'm Dr. Annalene Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, my colleague and fellow dental legal consultant, Dr. Colm Harney, is going to help us understand the patient's point of view and why they complain. So, Colm, a significant part of the service we provide at Dental Protection is being present for our members on what can sometimes be the worst day of their practicing life. While the individual circumstances of that day or moment will always vary, we know as practitioners ourselves what it feels like that snapping sound of a root, the click feeling as a file separates, or the letter of complaint from a patient landing in our inbox. However, today, Colin, you're going to give us a window into the world of the patient in those times, which can often be up there with the worst day of their lives when something unexpected happens in the dental surgery. Yeah, Annalene, certainly, certainly true. And from the feedback we get time and time again, The fact that we are there for the practitioner at the end of a phone is such reassurance and assistance when the emotions are swirling around after an unexpected event or that letter from a patient, our regulator or a lawyer. And I'm always heartened by the response of most practitioners too. And I think it's actually a a benchmark of our professionalism where the concern for the patient becomes first priority when something goes wrong. As well as concern for the well-being of the patient, There's also a myriad of internal emotional responses that need to be subdued in that moment. From the visceral tightening and churning of the stomach to the feelings of failure or defensiveness and the dread of that impending complaint or lawyer's letter. So yes, as you said, the worst day of our practicing lives is often going to be a significant negative event in a patient's life too. I'd like to give an insight into why it's important to recognize and acknowledge the patient viewpoint and how this can be of such benefit in helping to understand how complaints arise and also help us achieve the best outcomes for our patients. That's great, Colin. Something very interesting we know from the literature, and which may surprise many listeners, is while some healthcare mishaps may lead to a complaint or litigation, in fact, the vast majority don't. Yeah, and I think this will again surprise people, but it is true. And to understand the reason for this, we must understand the patient perspective. I'm going to get a little bit technical here, Anlene, and reference one of the most cited and influential socio-legal articles, which is Feldsteiner 1980, where they introduced the concept of the PIE or the PI. Then that will lead into Bunting 1998 and the concepts of predisposing and precipitating factors. An overview of these concepts, I think, will give us a a really good window into the patient experience and why some patients complain and claim and some do not. I love it when you get technical columns. So (laughs) can you start off by walking us through what the PIE or PIE is? Yeah, sure. And when some form of issue arises in and around the surgery or later on in relation to care provided, the patient must first identify that there is a problem. This identifying is the PIE or the perceived injurious experience. So the word perceived is the key word there. The patient forms a view that there's a gap between their expectations and the outcome of the service provided. The greater this perceived gap, 
the more motivated the patient will be to make a complaint. A simple example of this would be a patient who has an impacted third molar surgically removed. And you can imagine, on the one hand, if there's a clearly understood consent process combined with comprehensive care, including post-op instructions and aftercare, then the well-informed patient is going to expect a degree of discomfort, swelling, limitations to function, and possibly even the need to take some time off work. However, the patient who was given a consent form to sign 10 minutes before treatment, while they were waiting for the local anaesthetic to take effect, and similarly handed a generic post-op instruction sheet with no further discussions from the clinician, their equivalent levels of post-op discomfort, swelling and the need to take two days off work is going to be an unpleasant surprise, where there's significant potential for a disconnect between what they were anticipating or expecting post-op and the actual reality of the outcome. Mm. So as you know, Annalene, one of our mantras is that warning the patient beforehand of a possible adverse outcome is an explanation. Afterwards is often perceived as an excuse. So two very important things to note here. First is that the PIE may arise with no identifiable technical mishap. Referring back to that previous example of the poorly warned third molar patient, while the treatment and resulting post-op symptoms were well within what would be reasonably anticipated for such a procedure, if the patient was not expecting the pain and swelling, and worse, if they tried something like co contacting the practice but got no call back, then I think it's very easy for us to see why, through their eyes, they have suffered a negative experience. The flip side of that coin is that while there may be a clinically recognised adverse outcome, but no PIE, this may vary something like a poorly fitting denture that doesn't bother a patient because of the, at the back of their mouth, to actually something very extreme, the case of Dr. Harold Shipman in the UK, who for years literally got away with murder of up to 250 of his patients, but was a much-loved and respected community GP. Yeah, I agree, Colin. A complaint doesn't necessarily arise from where we as practitioners think it would, a technical mishap leading to an adverse outcome perhaps, but more often from how the patient perceives that outcome or situation. Yeah, that, that's the key point, that perceived that, and that's borne out by the second study I referenced, that Bunting 1998. And in that study, they refer to two components of complaints, so they break it down into two parts. One is the precipitating factors, so what we would typically think give rise to a complaint, things like adverse outcomes, mistakes, system errors, or iatrogenic injuries. And the second part is the predisposing factors, so something that maybe we as clinicians don't necessarily think about or, or is in at front of mind, things like rudeness, delays, perceived apathy or poor communication. So uh, let me just explain that a little bit further. If both of these factors come into play, then there's a significant likelihood of a complaint. And I think we can see why that may be. The precipitating factor that we would all recognize as making us vulnerable in combination with the patient perception of poor care. However, the cases where something goes wrong, but the practitioner makes time to see the patient straight away, communicates well, or has built up a good previous rapport with the patient, then 
the study says the risk of complaint or litigation will be significantly diminished. This is backed up by other studies such as De Matteo, who found that communication skills, particularly nonverbal skills, interestingly, had a significant influence on a patient's satisfaction level towards the outcomes of treatment. This fact was demonstrable regardless of the quality of care provided. Just to be sure I understand this correctly, Colin, the expectations and perceptions about what constitutes high quality dental care very much differ between or can differ between practitioners and patients. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when things go wrong and we receive a complaint, as clinicians, we need to recognize that it may not be wholly relating to a failure of our treatment. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it in a nutshell, really. And it, it's borne out by the literature. Practitioners tend to concentrate on the clinical aspects of treatment, technique, performance of the procedure and objectively measurable clinical outcomes. However, patients tend to focus more on the experiential aspects of treatment, good communication, feeling cared for and timely assistance when something unexpected happens. So in order to minimize our risk of complaints, we need to be very mindful of this patient perspective and work hard to ensure that not only are we carrying out quality dentistry that meets objective standards, but also we are considering the whole person whose mouth we are working on. So a few questions I think that it might be very worthwhile to consider if we're, if we're going to have this front of mind. Have we and our staff demonstrated how much we care by building rapport and mutual trust and always acting in the best interest of our patient. Patients don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Second question would be, are their expectations of treatment aligned with ours? Third, do they understand the treatment as well as the benefits, risks and alternatives? The Dental Board of Australia Code of Conduct states that we must provide information to patients in a way that they understand. Does the patient understand possible post-procedural complications and what to do if they arise? Are we aware of potential impacts of treatment, not just on the tooth or teeth, but on the whole person? Thanks, Colm. That's a great checklist of questions to consider in helping us understand the patient perspective. And it's also a really timely reminder that we need to lift up our head from that tiny tooth and consider the whole person we're treating. Because while we're working in the mouth, there is actually a person attached to that with fears and hopes and expectations for treatment, along with their own individual motivations and values. We really need to always be mindful of trying to understand this perspective to ensure satisfied patients, reduce complaints and an overall greater enjoyment of practice for us too. So thank you. Agree. And thank you all so much for listening. We do hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.